0: Which is probably why the memoir he's writing is called Have I Seen You in Anything? One of his first big breaks in show business was playing Jesus Christ as a therapist to Brian Cranston's character in Malcolm in the Middle. He has since been seen in episodes of Boston Legal, Big Love, Men of a Certain Age, Keen Peel, The League, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, NCIS, The Big Bang Theory, I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson, and plenty of national TV commercials. Knutson is one of the first faces you see, in fact as a patient of Jason Siegel's in the new Apple TV Plus series, Shrinking. As a comedian, Knudsen has released three albums, performed on Conan and The Late Late Show, and earned millions of views for his dry bar stand-up special, Good News. Good news for me is Knudsen invited me into his home near Los Angeles to talk about his early life in the Merchant Marines, how running marathons prepared him for the grueling world of show business, and more. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my substack called epiphany at dot So you can read bonus commentary on this episode As well as more comedy news and insights Thanks in advance And
1: now that that's out of the way Let's get to it Check, check, Bill Glass Bill Glass <laughs> We're here
0: with Bill Glass Masquerading as Matt Knudson <laughs>
1: Hey everybody Yes, Bill Glass is the um, Dr. Rick From uh, uh, Don't Become Your Parents Yes we were talking about it insurance. off the air. Uh, great guys! Proud sponsor of the podcast. <laughs>
0: as, as long as I manifest it, right? If I could just keep saying it,
1: what you got to do is um, promote them for free and then mm-hmm. reach out, like, "Hey, I already said your name on my podcast." This
0: episode is brought to you by Shrinking. Now available on Apple TV Plus.
1: <laughs> the
0: best five ninety nine per month you'll ever spend. Oh, exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, congratulations. Matt uh, you. I had Thanks, to, man. as soon as I started watching. I mean, Shrinking is a great new show uh, from Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein, uh, starring Jason Segel, Harrison Ford, yeah. Jessica Williams, and special co-star Matt Canoonson, <laughs> <Right. laughs>
1: America's yeah. new favorite joy boy. <laughs> you know, um, I have to say that part of the episode was the- kind of like improvised through, like we did this improvised therapy session, okay, and. Um. I volunteered kind of that from my life because that's what my parents had called me forever, you mm-hmm. know. So to have friends and colleagues now calling me joy boy in some way is like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's what my mom still calls me, and she's like eighty. So the fact it's I, Meta, am I using that term correctly? It's uh, Meta. As long as
0: we we uh, clarify that we're not talking about the company owned by Mark Zuckerberg, Meta. <laughs> right we're talking about the actual word right meta. it's meta um, um,
1: um the fact that it's kind of existed in both hemispheres of my life it's it makes me laugh so,
0: so is this something that actually does kind of like sit with you because it came up in an improvised therapy session well what had known as a joy boy Uh, was this while you were still in hawaii or this relocated uh, at
1: that point no 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 i had been like my whole life that's what my parents had called me because like growing up i was so um and to this day Mm -hmm. i kind of have like a pleaser vibe you know what i mean it's like hey life's a party can i freshen your drink is everyone okay how can i and i'm still that guy but growing up my parents would say like they would just tell me to do something and i would behave and not be too problematic do you have siblings i've two older brothers and a younger sister so classic middle child (laughs) pleasers (laughs) pleasers but then um you know what had happened we were doing the the um the episode of shrinking and you know bill lawrence was like well hey let's just um let's improvise like a therapy Mm -hmm. scene let's do it like you're really yeah like it's really like so we did like a you know 10 minutes of kind of just Jason's a phenomenal improviser and a great mm-hmm. listener, and you're just looking at him, and you know he's really present and listening. And um, so Bill, he came by, and he didn't... You know, Jason didn't hear him. He's like, he's like, when he asked what's wrong, i say it's my mother again. You know what I mean? <laughs> so in my mind, that was his suggestion for what this improvised scene mm-hmm. was going to be about. So I was just pulling information and all these other sources, and it wasn't like, you know... She slipped in dog shit. It was, you know, it was like grounded, right. real, uh, you know, adding information. I think I, I remember saying something to the effect of like, uh, you know, my mom, she doesn't want to use a walker, but she falls all the time. It's so frustrating, you know, and that's not funny, but that's just like as your parents get older, right. there's a certain age where they're just like, yeah, you got to you need some help or you need, you know, so it was yeah. that I mean, was the
0: the, f- we're similar age. So. Right. if our parents are still alive, we have to deal with that. Yeah. So are your parents still with us? Uh,
1: My father passed away in uh, 2015. It was actually his birthday last week. So uh, there's always that, like, family text thread of photos and, like, Mm -hmm. calls and, hey, and checking in. And my mom is is still with us. And actually, uh, she's social and outgoing and has Mm -hmm. art friends and has all these other interests. So not that you ever get over the death of a spouse but she she tries to stay active and you know
0: but how how does she feel seeing you mention
1: the joy boy oh she she laughed (laughs) she well she um just got apple tv recently and i i told her about it and Mm -hmm. she watched it you know (laughs) sean there is no bigger fan of anything i've ever done than my mother she was just (laughs) anything that i you know she just thinks it's great and uh, and my and my wife but Mm -hmm. like my mom will always kind of chime in and l- let right. me know that, you know, you saw you on something or. Oh, I can I, I can totally identify. <laughs> right. My mom's listening to this right now,
0: cheering me on.
1: We all are. Going, like, why aren't
0: more people listening to this podcast? <laughs> this is the best podcast.
1: What happened? What happened? <laughs> yeah. So. Um-
0: Okay, so I'm looking at all of these medals on your wall. We are which,
1: in uh, my home office right now.
0: Uh, all of these medals; these are not from the Merchant Marines.
1: These are not Merchant Marine medals. Um, that is actually, Marathon. I ran the Los Angeles Marathon for ten consecutive years, and the one on the far right is um, is the medal that they give you if you do it a decade straight. It like is a, a flyer. Yeah, prize. it's it's a replica of. The uh, um, Olympic medal they gave the marathon winner when the games were in L.A. in 1984. That's amazing. Yeah. So I was – I got to like five or six or something like that mm-hmm. and and they came out with this new medal. They're like 10-year challenge and I only had like three left. I was like, well, I got to do it now. <laughs> so um, I was actually very – I was really surprised at how emotional I got when they gave me that medal on my 10th year, because when I think about the past decade and uh, you know, how many things have happened in my life, who's with me, who's not ups, downs, all of it, it kind of like was handed to me in this one moment of like, Hey, here's the past decade to reflect on. Also I had done it as um, you know, a fundraiser for St. Jude and it kind of became a thing that uh, you know that like every year i would you know people would reach out you do it again you do it again you do it again yeah. so it it became bigger than uh, than just me not to sound too corny but
0: were you uh, always i know you mentioned being a people pleaser but were you always also a runner or an athlete as a kid no um,
1: this I is a new this then. is a new thing I' actually never this is a midlife crisis this is a midlife <laughs> <laughs> crisis here's what happened. I had never run a marathon in my life but I was like on the bucket list and then like mm-hmm. you know when you're like in your 30s you're like I'm gonna do it before I turn 40 before the legs yeah go. so I uh, so I did it one year okay. and I didn't train at all <laughs> I just I went and I bought a pair of shoes
0: uh-huh.
1: I ran it without training at all. And it was the best time I ever did. And I never did a better time than the first one without (laughs) Without practicing or focusing at all. You didn't even know
0: what 26.2 miles felt like. I
1: did not. But um, once I basically what you do for Los Angeles, you run from Dodger Stadium Mm -hmm. uh, all the way to the Santa Monica Pier. And then along the way, you're running home. You're running home, yeah, exactly. You live in Santa Monica. You run past almost everything that people come to Los Angeles to see. Okay. So you like Chinatown, mm-hmm. downtown, Silver Lake, Hollywood Boulevard, West Hollywood. So, um, so I did that first year, and then the second year, I was like, you know what? I'm actually gonna, I can do better than that. If I, if this is what I, the time I did without trying, so I really trained, I really pushed it. I wanted to break five hours. That is when I had a heat stroke at mile 26. Oh, no. Yeah, I was 10, 10 blocks from the finish line. I mean it, it, you know, it became a bit, but uh, it was – if paramedics weren't there, I probably, would have, I probably wouldn't have made it because I woke up in the hospital. And I mean the, the joke that I tell on stage is uh, when I was in the ambulance, I thought I was being kidnapped. I, like, woke up and I was just – I was panicked. Someone it was fight or flight. You up the streets? Yeah, and I was – I tried to fight the paramedics. The streets of Santa Monica? The yeah. The mean streets? The of mean Santa streets. <laughs> so – Is uh, that in your
0: dry bar special or something? Yeah. That's? Okay.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's that, it's that story. But I thought, like, well, you know what? Um Second year mm-hmm. didn't work out that well. I can't that I can't have that be the last one. <laughs> right, but your best I also and your worst. my best and my worst in two simultaneous yeah. years. But I was like, I'm, it's not going to be the last taste I have in my mouth. But I'm going to do it. I'm just gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to push it. I'm going to jog. I'm going to walk. You know. Also what people can do is they can track your your bib mm-hmm. and see like where you are so if i'd run past people's houses they'd come out and visit and we'd hang out and so it became more of a um an event or like a, a you know uh, something that i did and not i wasn't like checking my pulse and just like i gotta i need to do an eight minute flat you're just yeah. like no 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 i'm just gonna probably most of the miles i run b- will be between 10 and 12 minutes mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm tired, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to eat some orange slices. I'm going to listen to some like DJ or some like classic pianist. They have bands at every mile oh, as you so go. It's
0: like a, was it formerly called, is it called the Rock and Roll Marathon or is it no? Is it, it formerly called that? Nah, I don't think so. I think it is a Rock and Roll Marathon. I think somewhere.
1: you're right, and I think it might be in Las Vegas. Oh, Okay, but um, yeah, but honestly, uh, it is the best way you could possibly see los angeles not just the sights and the 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 course mm-hmm. but the people who come and cheer you on like la has a rap for being like eh, you know self-centered and all these people mm-hmm. but then you run past a million people who are holding up signs and giving you high fives and you know have little pretzels things and so there's a lot of humanity that i really connected with
0: okay so the gesture in me for the last Minute and a half, two minutes. Yes. I just wanted to ask you so what do you want the last taste of in your mouth to be? The journalist the journalist in me right. would rather pivot to the fact that you are a um, alumnus of the Merchant Marines.
1: Merchant Marines, yeah. Uh,
0: which I I can't say too many of us know that much about the Merchant Marines. Yeah. Uh I, it's,
1: I, it's I really not the have the Marine not,
0: Corps, right. it's not the Coast Guard. It's like Somewhere in the middle of those two things,
1: yeah. Uh, the most apt uh, uh, coin ter- term that someone coined was the truckers of the sea. So you're not um, you're not enlisted. You mm-hmm. can kind of come and go as you please. Okay. You do have to get creditations. Those tests are taken through the Coast Guard mm-hmm. if you want to like kind of move up the ranks. Okay. But um, it was a, it was a union job. It was um, something I did when I was 19. I joined my first right. union, and it was uh, the Seafarers International Union. But,
0: but, you know, the Marine Corps is known for brutal boot camp, which makes me think of like trying to run a marathon. Right. But Merchant Marines, I guess, (laughs) since you're not enlisted, there's no boot camp.
1: I did go to a training facility. Okay. Uh, It was actually uh, Piney Point, um, the Paul Hall School of Seamanship. It's in uh, Piney Point, Maryland. Okay. I went there for like six months. Mm -hmm. And it is boot camp per se because – it's not like military where you're you're out, you know, marching in ranks and all that right. other stuff. I mean, you actually do, but it's not um not that formal. Okay. But that's where you do your training where it's like, you know, I went to fire school at the University of Maryland. You do CPR, you do first aid, you do fire and boat drills. You do all these things that like once you're out in the ship in the middle of the ocean, like there's no 911. You know, you have to you are the you are 911. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to at least um Perform the functions of, you know, first aid, fire, protection, things like that. How to get off the boat if it's sinking, fire and boat drills, which you still have to do, all that stuff.
0: So you said you were 19 when you did that. Yeah. What was your mindset? What were you you thinking?
1: You know, I was enrolled in uh, junior college Mm -hmm. at the time. I was taking one class, and I was a cashier at uh, Office Depot. And I was like, Here in Southern California. "This is in Southern California. This is in Costa Mesa." Okay, I was enrolled at Orange Coast College. Mm-hmm. I um was I had a job at Office Depot, and I remember one day I was like buying a pair of khaki pants for work, and I was like, the "Uniform." Yeah, I was like, "Oh no!" I wanted to have adventures. I wanted to see the world. I didn't I felt like it was I was in an extension of high school. You know what I mean? Where you, you go to class and you work right. and you know. But um I was at a party and I met this guy who was a merchant marine. He okay. had just came back from Thailand and he had a VHS tape of he and his friends riding rickshaws around Thailand. And he was just a he was a couple of few years older than me and I was just like what's what he <laughs> oh, oh. And I didn't just make those noises. I asked specific <laughs> questions. I, oh, yeah, oh. He, God bless him, mm-hmm. introduced me to uh, yeah. to the patrolman in Wilmington, uh, California, it was like Long Beach. Right. And it just kind of it kind of went on from there. I got into the school. The first job I got out of school was um, it was Mogadishu. We went to uh, Somalia, and it was during that like black lockdown in, yeah. in the in the nineties. It was nineteen ninety three. So I. um I turned twenty in africa mm-hmm. uh came back uh landed in New York, started shipping down to New york. that's Europe and Africa but after about two years came back to the west coast that's uh central south america uh, far east you know so now
0: serving even as a merchant marine but serving in in Somalia in the nineties did you ha- when you came back, did you have any PTSD or
1: no? It was nothing like that. Okay. You're just on a ship. You're on a ship that transports cargo,
0: right? But we've seen Captain Phillips.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's pirates. The, the irony in all of this is my job as a merchant marine got me an appointment with Paul Greengrass for that show. Oh, yeah, for that for that movie and. Um, I didn't get it, but I thought I was, you know, because like the first ten, fifteen minutes of the audition was just like, "So you were a merchant marine, huh?" And I literally did sail off those waters where right. that where that happened, uh, and then it was just part of the part of the crew with with Tom Hanks and.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I saw a clip recently. I don't know why it came across my for you page on TikTok or something where yeah. they were showing a clip of. Spoiler alert, Tom yeah. Hanks survives in the end. <laughs> but when he gets rescued, they were actual – I don't know if they were merchant marines or if they were with the Navy. But they were actual medics yeah. treating him. And yeah, they just, they, and they, the direction – Greengrass's direction for them was just treat him like like you're rescuing somebody. right? Like an actual person, yeah. not an actor playing
1: somebody. Right. I remember his performance in that when he like – has that like shock after being rescued like yeah. and he can finally kind of like let it go yeah that's the scene yeah it's like people don't think acting is pretending and it really is it's just like this didn't really happen <laughs> to you you know what i mean i see him do something and like that you're like
0: getting coffee 30 minutes before that
1: a million percent so mm-hmm. i was so blown away by his performance in that and i liked it um but yeah there was a moment where he just like you you know Waiting for the phone to ring, et cetera, et cetera. So, how, long were, you, so how long were you in the Merchant I did that for about five years. Okay. So yeah, like I say, yeah. I always say, 24. Yeah. I always say would. they were the years I would have gone to college. Uh, and instead, I did this. And I actually and you just, saw the world. yeah, I just enrolled in college. I'm getting a business degree. Wow. So, I started, um, I'm in my like third week, and I'm a, like a freshman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like joking with my wife, like, "What's it like to be married to a college man?" She's, that, that was funny. About and you're not just doing it for times. a bit
0: or for a pitch. No, be like, no, no, Be like, "This will make a great show." Yeah,
1: there was a part of me that thought um, it might be an interesting podcast mm-hmm. because you do have these all these new. Um, uh, terms and concepts that are being introduced because I I have an entrepreneurial spirit but I don't have any formal training. I was like, oh this would be maybe a podcast or some video or something but it's a lot of work so I'm just focusing on the actual studying part and okay. then maybe some art might come out of it later.
0: Okay so uh, I think I reached out to you after you posted the photo of you with um, and Malcolm in the middle. Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. Where you're playing Jesus. Yeah, that was um, like really
1: my my first big break. So
0: so so I want to explore what happened in the period between you leaving the Merchant Marines and then that moment. Like, yeah. what was that period of your life like?
1: Once I decided not to ship out anymore, it was a very um, it was a very distinct. Choice I made because I knew I wanted to like either move to Chicago or New York or Los Angeles and kind of do comedy and act and write and do those things. Where but was it, that comedy mm, bug coming from? I mean, this class clown—is that being, too cliché? <laughs> <laughs> I was just always kind of the funny guy, okay. and you know, I so it um, was in the back of your head. Even it was. When you
0: decided to join the Mertorians. There was something but
1: Yeah, I just didn't have any. Um, inkling of how that how that came into your life Uh, I didn't have any experience at all I never even acted in high school or college or any of those things I don't have a I'm not a nepo baby you know in nepotism I don't know I don't have anyone in the um, I just knew at that time when I I was shipping out, I was like, well, this is kind of where I want to be right now. Okay. And in those years, I, you know, you get on a ship and then you get off and then I would go backpacking then get on another ship. And so that was kind of like my five years. Mm-hmm. The last job I did, I took a tanker from, uh, from Long Beach to Boston. So we went through like the Panama Canal up the, up the Gulf coast and up to Boston. It was like about a three week trip and it felt like nine years I mean, I had never really um, thought about time in that way before, but I was just like I this is I've got I, this is enough. I have to, you know what I mean? I did want to do comedy, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how to get in. So, after I stopped and got off my last ship, mm-hmm. I moved to Los Angeles. One of my brothers and I got an apartment together, and I started doing production assistant work. Okay. Just at like the, you know, I didn't know a lot, but I could show up on time and have a good attitude. And I can get someone's lunch. I can empty that trash can. <laughs> I ha- you know what I mean. When you're literally the bottom rung, I mean of that is the, the most people pleasing job. On <laughs> That's true. Set. Hey everybody. Oh. Hey, we're on a bell. Yeah. So, um, so I did that. And then I kind of transitioned into doing production sound. I was a boom operator for for a lot of years too okay. and are you
0: immediately growing your hair that as soon as was you left the
1: that, ship? that was I, no you can have your hair like that it 's not a military job that 's how I looked my entire career like the the Malcolm in the middle, my hair yeah. It was it was always like that because I was I think there's also something about being like 20 and you – you know like kind of 20, a Greg Ullman guy, thing and yeah. your beard and and uh-huh. long hair so there's no there's no grooming standards in the Merchant Marine I mean maybe you might be working for a, great a company sales pitch. it's great come on guys we need you the, the U.S. Marine Corps very <laughs> Merchant Marines. <laughs>
0: Do whatever you want. Come aboard. Come aboard. Welcome, we're welcome. Expecting you. Yeah. It's like the love boat of the military.
1: <laughs> so I had long hair, I had beard, uh-huh. okay. and then what I would wear is like I remember I'd have coveralls that I cut the arms off and I cut the legs off and they were shorts and I would just put that on okay. like over a t shirt and just kinda So how worked. long
0: were you being a PA before you figured out what the next step was?
1: I had done PA work for about three years and somebody hired me to do sound and so I was kind of like doing both of them at the same time mm-hmm. then I was able to get enough sound work where I could say no to PA jobs and then I joined the union okay. so it was probably like 4 or 5 4 or 5 years of that before I was uh, in IATSE which is International Alliance of Theatrical and Stage Employees and was 695 so I joined that but even then Ah, uh, entertainment has always been the gig economy. You know what I mean? You like you do a job and then you like the job's over right. and then you like look for another job. It was before it was everywhere. It was it was LA. So, mm-hmm. you know.
0: So at what point then do you finally step on a stage somewhere to tell jokes?
1: The first stand-up spot I ever did was January 20th, 2001 after I had been in Los Angeles for about three years. Mm -hmm. Because the first three years, I just – I did want to do it, but I just needed to make money and you know just try and keep the wolves away. So I was working like all the time on that. The first time I did stand-up was at a place called the Theater of Note. They did this thing called the 24-hour performance marathon. And they went from noon to noon the next day. And they just had 24 hours of acts, booked like 10 minutes at a time. So I didn't have a lot of experience. I did have like my notebooks and – you know, mm-hmm. but I reached out to the guy that was booking it and, and he's just like, great, yeah. You know what I mean? Like,
0: I got 24 hours I got to tw- fill. I
1: literally have 24 hours to, to fill.
0: You can have 10 minutes of it, sure. How,
1: how bad could it be? But the, um, the headline – What time slot <laughs> did you get? Here's the thing. I was supposed to go on earlier uh, but then um, Tenacious D – was the headliners of the of the thing. And they okay. did like, you know, everyone loved it and we were glad. Mm-hmm. But they probably did like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Right. So I went on um, somewhere after 3 a.m. So I followed this uh, young man who was probably a teenager from Canada who played electric guitar. And he was in town for some, like, gear convention. Okay. So I followed the electric guitar player. I did my spot. It went okay. I mean, for me, the success was I did remember most of the things I wanted to say. I don't know how many people laughed. but mm-hmm. They were nice. It was a fun crowd. After me, we all went into the parking lot, and a guy juggled fire. And I was just like, these are my people, you know?
0: And that young guitarist <laughs> from Canada turned out to be...
1: Wolfgang Van Halen. Right. That was no? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't remember. Okay. I do have um the flyer from that show. I'm mm. I'm like a I'm not a pack rat. I collect things. I try and I have something from, from everything, so I do have mm. the flyer from that show. I have call sheets, I have you know, I'm Well just, you told I'm me you're, you're
0: writing a book. I'm writing so a book. It helps to be a pack rat in a hoarder because then you can actually find those those golden memories.
1: True. Yeah, true. Um, I've probably written about uh, 12 stories right now. But mm-hmm. the book is called uh, Have I Seen You in Anything? Real-life Hollywood stories from a guy who seems familiar. Because that's, uh, you know, have I seen you in anything right. is the question I get, I, I get all the time. Wait, right, when you're
0: a character actor.
1: Hey, have I seen you? She's like, well <sighs> – I don't know. Yeah, I I really don't know. Maybe like, what shows do you watch? But um, I I've been lucky enough. I've you know I've been on a, a, a lot of things with a lot of different people. Uh, my joke is like I've sailed around the world and I've met everyone from President Obama to Papa John. So the stories
0: those are the two extremes. Those are the two extremes. <laughs> Barack Obama is one one under the extreme. Papa John. Papa John. Definitely the. The opposite extreme. The opposite
1: extreme, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I just finished, uh, you know, writing about um, working in an event at the White House and meeting Obama there and, like, you know, shaking his hand in the blue room. But the whole idea is it's not a tell all, it's a tell some. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to dishing and making everyone come off like, right. like they're terrible people, I want to do the opposite and make everyone go. Come off like the great people that I experienced. So it's not trying to uh, build them down. It's
0: right because, like you had posted a teaser uh, recently about working Malcolm in the Middle and getting to work alongside Brian Cranston. You said yeah. he's still like the best, the best actor ex- experience you've had, the best actor. And you just told me a few minutes ago that this was your first big break. Yeah. So your first big break was. character acting role not a not a comedy stand-up comedy right
1: right right um I that was in 2002 Mm -hmm. I made my network television It just a year
0: after that 3am performance
1: yeah Pretty much. And I think it was because I just had like the long hair mm-hmm. and the, the beard. And so, you know, I, I had been going out for things, but they're like, yeah, you're uh you're heroin dealer. Number six. You're like, Okay. You know, I, I didn't really connect with those parts. Right. And I was thinking about cutting my hair. And then this one came up and it was just like, um, the confluence of opportunity and preparation and luck and, um, I just wrote down the lines on my uh, on a legal pad and was trying to do my best to just remember and keep up, and he was just blowing the roof off it with his performance. It mm-hmm. was really remarkable.
0: So did that experience, both performing it but then also getting to see it on television, did that experience change your life immediately or was it more of a gradual?
1: It was more of a gradual thing. I, I wasn't able to work enough to only act You know, I still had to do um, boom work. At that point, I had transitioned out of um, doing production assistant work. But I was still acting and booming. And I was doing that for um, another four years, four, almost five years. Mm -hmm. And then I I, um, got my first series regular role in 2006 on a show called uh, Reanimated on Cartoon Network. And after that point, I had, you know... Uh, come hell or high water, you just kind of have to try and transition and and do the best you can in a certain in a certain direction. You can't do both
0: how well how did you decide back then not just how to balance that but then also how to balance your stand up aspirations
1: yeah i i Especially I'm sh- in
0: Hollywood because you know usually the knock on l a comedy versus New York comedy is new York comedy the comedians all want to be comedians right l a comedy. The comedians all want to be something else. They all want to be TV
1: writers. Right, right. <laughs> or TV stars or movie stars. Or TV stars or movie stars. I do think uh, anyone that I say, if they want to be a stand up, they should go to New York mm-hmm. because there was a time when I first started in like 2001 where I went and sublet a place out there because I wanted to do more spots here, but I just couldn't. Also, you would, um, you know, even if you can do two spots in one night, it's just like, well, I got this one in Marina Del Rey and the other one's in Pasadena. You know, there's no. There's no subway. There's no, right. you know, so I went out and um, went to New York and I was, you know, doing two, three spots a night for, you know, for a while. But it's been a it's been a balancing act more than I would have expected. I uh, Because I if it came down to stand up or acting, I would always lean on the side of acting because I think in my experience at the end of the day, it gets seen by more people you get uh, healthcare pension, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a union member and I think they definitely kind of feed on each other. Um, but it's, I was just never a 48 week a year guy. You know, I don't know if that'll ever be a part of my life right now. I'll still go out, you know, six, seven times a year. I'm putting a tour together now for like the West coast of Canada, the Pacific Northwest. But, um, yeah, I tried to. I tried to stay local. At the end of the day, so.
0: You know, and uh, for the listeners who can't see because I'm not shooting this vi- video of this. <laughs> You know, we're staring at, at his, his office, uh, board the board behind his desk, which and, I, and, I'm, and I'm kind of thinking of this as like a Kaiser Soze, Usual Suspects. So I just <laughs> keep keep pulling questions, and you don't know where they're coming from, <laughs> but they're all coming from the board. So you have like a stack of checks. Are those like two cent residual checks?
1: Yes, I have never cashed a check that was uh, l- l- less than a dollar. Okay. So um, there's probably... So those are
0: all your Conan and Craig (laughs) Craig Ferguson checks?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Because neither of those
0: shows are repeating anymore, so you're not getting...
1: You're right. No, I don't think I've gotten any money from them for a long, long time. But like uh, there's some that just come in and it's just like it is Malcolm in the Middle and it is like 80 cents or, you know, my favorite memory recently, you know, I just got hip surgery Mm -hmm. and I got... um, you know, uh, explanation of benefits for my insurance company. Which yes. this isn't the number that I had to pay, but my surgery was one hundred ninety six thousand dollars, and I, I got love two, those yeah, I got two pieces of mail mm-hmm. in, in that day, and that was all I got was the letter with the one hundred ninety six k bill and a residual check for thirty seven cents from Crazy Ex Girlfriend. <laughs> and I was just like, "This is mm, ah, perfect." Crazy
0: Ex Girlfriend, the episode you were in, did you sing? i did not sing sing.
1: i did not sing i was um i was stonebrow i was a business developer Mm. we were engaging uh her her legal services to try and we had like a land dispute so they were going to bring us back for another uh for another episode but you know rachel bloom is amazing she's a wonderful wonderful person and super super duper talented yeah um
0: I just had a flash in my mind. You talking about like going to extremes, and like you, you yourself have gone from looking like either Jesus or a heroin dealer to <laughs> right. classic evil white guy in a suit <gasps> <laughs> who's <laughs> going to come and take your taking you for all your money. Oh
1: yeah, they those are the ones you have to look out for. The ones that are just doing it with a smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? but um, I always say uh, I have yet to hit it big, but I've hit it medium for a long time. I Man, hit it medium is uh, is pretty sweet too.
0: Uh, I mentioned dry bar comedy. Dry bar. How did, how did you get involved with those fine people? I, of Utah. I think they're out of Utah.
1: Yeah. They shoot all the specials in Provo. Okay. Um, a friend of mine, Patrick Keene, who's a great comic, great dude. Um, he said that somebody he, – he had done one in season one. And that they were just like looking for people to uh to do a season two and I put them in touch. I'm blanking on the gay guys, guy's name now. I he believe he also does uh the wise guys, you know, that and, would make sense yeah, the, the they, chain of yeah. in Utah. So um I just was in touch and mm-hmm. I sent him a transcript and he's like, Great. He said they could also um do these parameters where like they could at you know, parental controls on people's specials and they're like, "Hey, there's, um, there mentions of this and mentions of this, and you know," and I intentionally tried to make it as like clean and unimpunable uh, as possible. And it was, you know, how and many shows did you do? I did two shows, and that was both of them were put together for mm. for one special. Yeah, so. because I
0: mean, they were relatively recent. I say that as someone who's been around for too long. Sure. <laughs> so to me, it's relatively recent, like since 2010 maybe or yeah. something like that. But then they, they just came on the scene and started pumping out these video specials. Remarkable. That I guess they sold them, or did they sell them? Or you had to have a subscription mm-hmm. to see them on Drybar. Mm-hmm. But then eventually they started putting out clips or full specials out on both Facebook and YouTube. And yeah. I saw friends of mine like you – Who were seeing like millions of views for their clips on either Facebook and or YouTube.
1: Yeah. I think it's uh, – I definitely did it before that element of it happened, Mm -hmm. but I've been the beneficiary of their um, marketing for sure. For sure. And a lot of people have um, gone on to even bigger numbers like I believe Leanne Morgan – had a dry bar and people like yeah and so she's got a theater tour now and you know it's so a lot of things are are happening from dry bar that i they're pleasant also they take care of the comics they have like a, a profit sharing deal well which i was just I think about is, to
0: ask like what's the contractual arrangement generally is it
1: so what they do is um they'll do they'll record your special mm-hmm. and they'll take um they'll they'll recoup Their investment in the special, and then afterwards, there's a you know, they pay you royalty on every you know, the YouTube, Facebook subscription. Mm -hmm. There's also a chance where people can give you tips. They're like, Hey, I liked it, and they can give you like a direct, you know, like a
0: uh, what happens when somebody does that? Do you get like a ding on your? no it shows up in your or you know how does that no they what do happen they do
1: quarterly reports oh, you okay. get a quarterly report from dry bar so it's you like, can't hey, be like
0: your- watching tv with your wife and then suddenly like the you hear a ding and you're like somebody somebody <laughs> likes a special honey
1: yeah exactly no um no? maybe that might be uh uh something they do in the future but i think yeah i don't know, but that for the time being they just do it every they just do it every quarter so okay. and they're good people uh, I think they have a, a solid business plan and ethics, mm-hmm. which is a incredible combination and when you have the building blocks for that, the sky's the limit
0: so but in terms of what you've seen out of it, have you seen like has it been like these residual checks or is it more no it's it's
1: been um I don't know how frankly it's, you want to talk. No, but... it's been a it's been a stream of income, but uh, it's. I think to make it in the entertainment is industry you can't just have one thing. Right. If you can have that with touring, with TV, mm-hmm. with commercials, with royalties from you know like your, your uh, Sirius XM and you know all these things kind of put together make your your. Uh, what do you called?
0: consider what do you consider the mainstream? So
1: acting. Acting. Yeah. So far it's been acting. But um every year's different. I've had years where I was just like I, I couldn't believe it, you know. And then there's other years where it's just like, wait, i I have to get how much by June thirtieth, or mm-hmm. I lose my insurance, you know? It's
0: right. it's feast or famine. I have seen a couple of comedians or actors even post on Twitter saying, Hey, it's I have two weeks left I need a gig. Just yeah. give me something, yeah, to it's, prove that I stay in SAG or the WGA or
1: true. It's whatever. not for the faint of heart. There's not um, a lot of security or promise to to anyone, and even people who are, um, you know, big big time things. If you're like a famous director, but you're not, you don't do a movie for two years, you know. They're like, well, guess what? You know, you're. Yeah you're out
0: what so what coming back to the book what what made you decide this is the time to write these stories
1: well i've lived in los angeles for literally half my life mm-hmm. and in that time i had you know these experiences and they would come up if you're hanging out at a party mm-hmm. or at dinner with people I'm like hey you tell you this and you know but I'm a little more reserved than to hold court and be like, guys, I'll never tell you about Fred Savage. Everyone gather around. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's not that. I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. But I know Fred and I've worked with him and he's wonderful. So if I can like write down a three to four page story of just like, hey, you know what? Do you guys like? Fred Savage, Mm -hmm. I want you to like him even more after you hear this. Uh So my pitch is I want to throw people over the bus. (laughs) You know? Positive, Uh uplifting, true of them being themselves. And, I mean, I just finished a story uh, with Edward James Olmos. Mm -hmm. And he was just really remarkable acting. Mm -hmm. And especially when you consider, like, he would come on set. And, like, he would always be on the phone. He's always like you know, with, like, civic leaders or, you know, some... Uh, all these people, he would be talking to them all the time. And then, like, okay, uh, all right, we're rolling. I, I, I got to go. I'll call you back. And he like, hide his phone in the drawer uh-huh. on set and then just, like, just deliver, like, the most moving performance. You're like, that is incredible. <laughs> like, he is a master at his craft. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, cut and, they're like, hey, sorry, I had to go. You know, it just... You see people like that and you know they are operating on a on a completely different level mm-hmm. that might be attainable to you as an actor, but he's great. He's really, really great. So
0: the book is really showing how you've grown from a joy boy to a joy man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> and you said so- B- Bill Lawrence uh, whispered in your ear yeah. at the very start of – of shrinking, mm-hmm. have he, has he whispered any sweet nothings about about whether you get to stick around for more? Or- I
1: don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know when this is going to air. I do know I did like two more episodes after the first one. Okay. I don't know if they had planned to have me back or they had already kind of like written it up. Mm-hmm. But uh, the episode nine, I think, is a big Stephen. Episode okay. And then they only did 10. So right. to do three out of 10 was, you know, yeah. for me, even having that day and like showing up and they like ha- handed me a call sheet has my name on it and Harrison Ford's <laughs> name on it. I was just like, I've said this many times, but like, you know, when you like you look at your biography that you've like, you know, whatever your CR is or your, or right. your resume, mm-hmm. if it was handed to you when you first arrived or first started your career or mm-hmm. your job, I wouldn't believe it. If they're like, hey, you're going to be in a project with Harrison Ford. He's like, dude, Caroline. As you're doing <laughs> PA solo, work. <laughs> exactly. And me? And me. So, um, yeah, yeah. No, but Bill was very nice the first day I got on set. Uh, he, I don't know why, but he follows me on Twitter. And we've had some interactions, mm-hmm. and um, you know, he, I think he, you know, so I showed up on set, and he's like, "Hey, everyone, Matt Kanudson's here." We all know Matt from Things, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> which
0: was very—that's the blurb on the back of the book. We know <laughs> him
1: from Things, but it
0: was—but
1: <laughs> it was a very nice way to say, like, "Hey, welcome." Yeah, these, hey, you know, the, give this, you know, give make this yeah. guy feel welcome. He's he's with us, which is great. And Jason Siegel, the very. Second I walked on set He was like So glad you guys Could make it Hey You know Mm -hmm. You guys So glad you could make it But to be very honest That was just One audition Out of Out of hundreds That you know Maybe you don't hear anything I shot it on my phone I sent it in You know I I know James Ponsell, The The director We have a mutual friend in common We've gone to some Some Dodgers games and stuff Mm -hmm. He's a really great guy But it just a uh, it's just a lucky break. It was just a lucky break, you know.
0: Everything goes your way. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's, uh, a different that's, that's, that's a different
1: character. Yeah, and uh, he doesn't really uh, feel that way. I don't know if you saw the most recent episode. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, um thank you so much for for allowing me into your home. My pleasure, uh, dude. Whether 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 this gig stays or or goes. Um, I know this this chat right here. it felt very therapeutic for me. I'm glad to hear it. I, I think this is a good session.
1: I have like very dulcet tones <laughs> that are soothing I feel soothed. Everyone, just relax. It's gonna be fine. Thank you so much. You're welcome. thanks, Sean. <laughs>
0: This episode of the Comics Comic presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by GiggleChick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening.